Thank you, Father. Here we go. One more Dominion Sonship coming live to you. Exciting times, really. Times that are highly contended um, and yet highly recommended. How oh, that's neat how it came out. Uh, highly recommended to be really found in Christ, to be found in Christ, because at that moment all contention ceases and all we do at that moment is we are on this onward march and we are overcoming and we are triumphing and we are refusing. We are refusing to take a lower thought. We are refusing to be found captive by a lie. We are refusing to be succumb by the ways of the world. We are resisting and we are overthrowing every argument, every pretense, every high thing that wants to exalt itself above, above the knowledge of Christ. These thoughts, we bring them down and we're saying, no, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord indeed to the glory of God our Father. And so we are really on a theme of continuing in Christ, continuing to follow him and that this, this follow and this pursuit of him is a forward, um, purposeful run. It is a race. It is a fight. It is onward. It is upward. It is to be, um, expected. It will be resisted but also to know that everything has already been won. And so no matter what the pressure, no matter what the insinuation is, the failure is not an option to us in the body of Christ. Because why? We have the Holy Ghost that has placed the love of God, which does not fail in our heart. And so though the outer man is perishing, what does the word of God say? Our inner man is being renewed daily. And so though the, the intensity on the outer man is there, we rejoice in that because that is where we recognize we are to reckon that old man dead, dead. It is part of that identification with the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can now live the life of God, which is, which is from above, which is so unmoved in the midst of the, the, the flying fiery darts of Satan, that we have a shield of faith, that we believe, that we believe the word of God and we walk, we walk as we believe. And um, last week was on the, so well, actually the week prior was sober mind and then it was live soberly. And this week it is mind alive. The Lord just drops these titles, usually Saturday evening. And <laughs> so... And with the title comes the package of the message. And this is what I believe the Lord impressed as, as a lead for today. Mind alive. And as soon as we say that, the next thought is right. Because the mind of Christ is alive. Right. Because the mind of Christ is the word of God expressing himself. The, the very thoughts of God that are captured in the word of God. Right. The word of God is what? Alive. And so we have the mind of Christ, which is expressed through the word of God, which is alive. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. And so mind alive is we have a living mind. We have the mind of Christ that is incorruptible. It does not perish. And so all the more as the years roll in our lives and we are not to expect Alzheimer's, we're not to expect uh, this 
dementia. We're not to expect frailty of mind at all because we have a living mind, a mind alive, which is the very mind of Christ. And we have to, at this moment, learn and train ourselves to dawn on this mind. It's not an automatic action. It is really a very purposeful intentionality of recognizing that this word is truth and I will choose to abide in the word. It is, it is a, it is a real forceful intentionality. And I think of my own moments in God where I determine what I think on, where I make a decision that I'll be found in the faithfulness of the word of God, where I have to reckon everything and bring into submission to the word of God. I have to make it submit to this word. I make it submit. I make it submit. It's the Christman. Yes, indeed the Christman that is the ultimate grace that he has given us dominion and authority in that name but really we are to use this grace as a mighty tool as a weapon and bring to submission bring to submission and as we bring to submission the thoughts we actually bring to submission our flesh because what rules our flesh is unruly thoughts what rules our flesh is unruly thoughts. It is a carnal mind that is just, that has been trained by the world to be unruly, to be arrogant, to be in opposition to the mercy of God. That me, myself, I can do this. No, we can't do anything outside of him. That's why in 1 Peter 5, we read last week that we are to submit, to, to submit to one another and to be clothed with humility because God resists the proud. He resists every proud thought. Every proud thought of self-sufficiency, self-dependence, independence, I'm independent, I'm free, free, free to do whatever I want to do. No, we are not. That is the ultimate bondage. Because sin, it has a, 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 a sense of exhilaration for a season, but we know the wages of, of sin is what? What is the wage of sin? What is the payout of sin? At the end of the day, it is dead, dead, death. It's deadly. The wage of sin is death. You know, in the arrogance of the flesh, we think we can control it. We think not for me. No, I, 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 I got it down packed. Oh, I, I'm, I'm a, an expert sinner and only live. Nope. Nope. The word of God is truth. And if the word says that the wages of sin is death, then that's exactly how it is. And we don't have to live life too long to realize it is exactly so. It is exactly so. Though as the flowers of the field, they can, they can, they can look really glorious for a moment, but what's the end of it? They wither, right? That is the pride of life. But the word of God abides forever. And so if we go back to 1 Peter 5, 6, I didn't even have it open because I'm actually going to go to 2 Peter, but it just happens to be open there. and caught my eyes. But in verse 6, the Lord says through Peter, therefore, therefore, if you know that he is resisting the proud, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's your option? Keep on, keep, keep on being resisted by God. Keep on being proud? 
No, because we know that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we recognize in this life, we need great grace. <laughs> what are we going to do? We'll submit. We'll humble ourselves. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, under the loving hand of God. The hero, and then you watch him do what? Exalt you, not beat you up, not put you further down. When you lay your life down, he picks up your life. It's the Christman that rises up. And at that moment, there's an exaltation of a reality. Uh, as you lay down your old life, as you submit, as you humble yourself and say, God, my carnal mind is an enemy to you. I recognize that. And so I choose to submit this, this carnal thought process. I choose to submit this, this, this dead mind, really, of the old man, this dead mind, this dead working, and I choose to serve the living God by putting on the mind of Christ, by having a mind that's alive today unto you. That's the exaltation by which he exalts us. In Christ, we have been exalted to the highest place. What is he referring when he says, you know, that he may exalt you in due time? It's from a place of revelation that I have been resurrected from the dead and I'll never taste death again. A mind alive is one that is not corrupted by death. The very mind of Christ that we have. What kind of a thought process is that? It's a beautiful thought process. It is a thought process of peace and, and joy and happy, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. And the contending, the contending to think on these things that Paul tells us, tells the Philippians to think on these things that are noble and pure of good report, that are really edifying, which is the word of God. The fight of faith to keep those thoughts going. Oh. When everything in your mind is stirred up, an enemy is so skilled on the outside to engage your flesh, to stir up. A process of thought that is really not noble, not edifying, not praiseworthy, not of a good report. But thank God for the blood of Christ that we can realign and bring that old man down. To bring the old man down, and, and it's oftentimes always called repentance, repentance. So that we again have that exaltation of this divine life that we have in Christ. And so if we, and so of course we recognizing the, the way we do this in verse seven is you cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Casting all your cares, all the anxious thoughts, you bring the submission to the word of God that he is for you, that he has made a provision for you. And this is the provision right here. We're going to go now to second Peter. One, this is his divine provision. Glory be to God. The very mind of Christ through the word of God. Mm -hmm. Let's start at verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, to you and to me today in Christ. In the knowledge of God. So grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. And of course, we have the knowledge of God that comes through the word of God. And of Jesus, our Lord, in verse three. As his divine power, that's the word dunamis, power. As his, this is the miracle working power of God, 
as his miracle working power. Amazing. As his divine power has given to us all things. So this miraculous power, this dunamis power, what has it done? Has given us all things. Well, we know that by this power, he raised Christ from the dead. And in that rising, we've been raised up. So this miracle working power abides in us, lives in us, works in us, and has given us all things that pertain to this life, he's going to tell us. We're so blessed. Oh my, I tell that to myself. We're so blessed. We're so blessed in Christ. But, but because of untrained mindsets and unruly ways that we, that are so habitual, we stray away from the sight of Christ and we, we, we go to the lower and, and at that moment we're beholding a dead situation and we're thinking it's living. It's not living. That's why, that's why, um, they just told, told them, the ladies at the tomb of Jesus. Why looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is not in the dead. And so at that moment, shut that door. Shut the door. Shut the door to death thoughts. And walk in the mind alive. For he is in the living. He is in the living. As is Abraham in the living. In Christ we've been made alive. As is David in the living. We are of the living today. We are of the living mind of God today. The very repertoire of God we have. Disclosing mysteries to us we have. What has he given to us? Everything. Has he held anything back? Nothing. His divine power is given to us. Even if we just meditate this all day long, his divine power has given to us. What has he given to us? His son. His son. His son, his divine power has given to us all things. That's not what Paul tell the Romans. If he didn't spare his own son, how much more would he not give you all things alongside with the son? Given us all things will never lack. Never. Never run out. Never. 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 It's an impossibility in Christ. Because he has given to us all things. The what? Pertain. These things pertain to what? Heaven. Heaven. They pertain to our life here on earth. To life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And we do. Through this grant divine of his son, he'd been raised up into heavenly places of perfect provision, of inheritance that does not fade away. And yet we are living it out on earth, here now. 
dispatched to represent the glory of the living God, dispatched to expand the kingdom of God, to demonstrate the love and goodness and the lavishness of our God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God. And this is how these divine grantings have been given to us. These all things, all things that pertain to our life and godliness. It is through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him. The only way you have access to this divine grant is through the knowledge of him. Don't go looking elsewhere. There's nothing elsewhere. Elsewhere is dead. He is not in the among of the dead. He is in the living, and this word is his living. This word is the living Christ. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, we were not called by accusation and condemnation. We were not called by accusation, you messed up thing, you come up here. No. We were called by glory and virtue. Pure benevolence towards us. He never saw us. He never saw us as unworthy. Because of the shed blood of Christ. Because of the shed blood of Christ. We've been given access now into this materiality of God. The very body of Christ. Oh, the very body of Christ, the materiality of God. Look at this, through this knowledge, but which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Don't let anyone demean the word of God to you. And they might not outright demean it, but by taking you straight through different doctrines, Different teachings of demons is the way the word of God is being demeaned. Don't tolerate demeaning conversations regarding the word of God. You don't have to be rude, but you can excuse yourself. This word has stood up for us called Jesus. This word has died for us called Jesus. And this word has been raised from the dead called Jesus. And so we honor above all the word of the living God. Because it's exceedingly great and precious to us. Has promises that contain our life. That through these you may be partakers. Look at that. Through these promises, through this divine word, through this word alive, we are what now? Partakers of the divine nature. Some translations call it associates of the God kind. That we are partakers now. Think about it. You and I in Christ through the word of God are what? Partakers of a glorious body. And in other world wants us to partake in this and that and that over there. And maybe it can serve our flesh a little bit. And maybe it can be awesome for five minutes. Five hours, but I'm telling you at the end of that is doom and gloom and a lot of tears and a lot of remorse and a lot of pain. But here in this word, in these promises, ha, we've escaped the corruption that's found in the world. In this word, we become partakers of life. 
And yes, it can be tough. It is, it's highly challenged. It's highly contained by the flesh and the devil and the world that's wanting to mock that faith of persuasion in, in this truth. But I'm telling you, if you hold on to it, if you hold on to it, it's holding on to you. It will pull you up out of every situation. No matter the snare, no matter the snare, I don't care how big the snare is. It will turn around. It will turn around. It will turn around. How many times have been in my own personal life and in those I walk alongside, that I walk alongside with? How many times have I seen it? Right? When you think and you, you, you know you've come to the end, the end, from here on you toast, there is God. The resurrector of our hope. The resurrector of my life. There is God. Through these divine precious promises, I'm a partaker now of possibility. Though it might be impossible to man in the world, glory be to God, I don't care about that. It's possible to me because I'm a partaker of possibility of divine nature. And this persuasion is to be contended for. Don't ever quit the confidence you have in this word. Don't ever quit this belief that you actually are indeed partaker of a glorious boy. Don't ever quit and let it slip. Because then you become a partaker of something that's corrupt. That would destroy you. A dead mindset. A dead way of thinking. But we have a mind alive. Made alive by the word of God. Made alive by the stirring of the mighty Holy Ghost. Mighty Holy Spirit. They would just pray in tongues today. <laughs> what can you say? The glory of the word. Partakers of divine nature. Look at this. Through this divine nature, because we're partakers because of the word of God, we have escaped the corruption that is found in the world, that is found in the world through lust. How deceptive this lust is that is found in the world. Only to ensnare us and to do what? To corrupt us. To destroy us. And I think of metal rusting. That is the ultimate picture for me of corruption. It is subtle. It is over time. But by the end of it, it will bring that strong metal to, to, to dust. Nothing left of it. That was gloriously painted. And shined up a little bit of rust over time. Just give it time in the right, the right temperatures. Comes to naught. That's what, that's what the world wants to do through lust. To corrupt us. But we're not going to be corrupted. Because we are of a divine nature that's not corrupted. Incorruptible. I wanted to read um, this in the, living, in the New Living Translation. If we start verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. <laughs> by coming to know him. This is the knowledge of him. The one who called us to himself. Oh, what a father. What a father. Never abundant. Called us to himself, embraced by his love. 
by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. What a loving father. He's given us loving words. You know, when someone loves you, they give you loving words, loving words. You have loving words. You have love letters from your heavenly father. Look at this word as a love letter. Don't look at it as a, as a, as a, as a chiseling tool. Look at it as a love letter. And that love letter will polish you. The love letter will bring to submission everything to align it with himself. Yes. But this love letter is pure grace and mercy. Glory and excellence. These are the promises that enable you to share, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Oh my. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. How amazing. How amazing. And then he says in verse 5, in view of all of this, make every effort, make every effort today to respond to God's promises. Respond to the living word of God. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, Peter writes in verse 8, the more you grow in this, I found great, great comfort in this verse coming up right here in these next two. The more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. I want to read in the New King James 8 and 9. For if these things are yours and abound, so if you're growing in this manner, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So all that's required is for you to grow. All that's required is for you to grow. Just keep growing. He's not saying get it right all together all the time. As long as he says you are adding on, as long as you are growing, abounding in it, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So all the more of an importance it is to not be negligent with the word of God, to be mindful, to keep your eyes and your thoughts on it. Because actually in 1 Peter 1, 23, since we're in the Peters, because this is our very life. This is our very life. 
1, uh, 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have, since you have purified your souls, and there he talked about that if we are not mindful of the word of God and we're forgetful, like, a, like James says, a forgetful hearer, that we are, James says we're actually deceiving ourselves if we're a forgetful hearer and not doers of the word of God. Peter says that if we are short-sighted, then we can be blind and have forgotten that we have been cleansed from our old sins. And so if we go now to the first letter of Peter in chapter 1, 22, since you have been purified in your souls and obeying the truth, the importance to know that in his sight we are pure. And the way we keep that at the forefront of our minds is by abiding in the word of God, not to be a forgetful hearer. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit, through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having, this is why, the importance of the word, it's our new birth. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not of the corruption that's found in the world, in human desire and lust, but incorruptible through the word of God. Through the word of God, we are born again, which lives and abides forever. Lives and abides forever. Lives and abides forever. Let's go to... Well, we read uh, last week, so we're not going to do the same reading. In John 1, we read how, of course, the word of God is God and that um, the word came and, 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 and became flesh and lived, upon, uh, lived among us and that um, the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is grace upon grace and that uh, when we're looking for grace and when we're looking for truth, it's found in one place, and that is the word of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and that we are to now have this relationship with the word of God, because this now is our reality. So when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? What does fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit look like? Is really being in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Being communion with the Word of God because the Holy Spirit discloses the words of Jesus to us. Do you see how it all weaves in? It takes us right back to the Word of God. And so, actually, let's go to John, but it will be 1 John, the epistles, 1 John. 1 John 1, how they handled the Word of God. And now we are to handle the Word of God in the same way, but we are now handling the Word through our new birth in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So when we handle the Word of God, we're handling it through the Holy Spirit. But let's see how they, what does John say about handling the living Word? Oh, in verse 1, that, chapter 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, seen the Word with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, our hands have handled. We are made to handle the word of God. We're made to touch the word of God. We're made to behold the word of God. So we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Mind the life. 
mind alive, Christ alive, word alive. The life was manifested in their demonstration was the word made flesh. How powerful is that? That the word demonstrated himself to them. God, the logos of God, in the totality of who God is, demonstrated himself to them by putting on flesh. And now to us, he's demonstrating himself through the Holy Spirit, a spiritual flesh, the very flesh of the body of Christ, the very flesh of this living word, the bread of the word, the blood of the word. What spiritual food we have, what spiritual drink we have from that rock that they followed that was Christ. The Old Testament Jews, Christ was the rock that we now drink from. Life was manifest and was, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Well, of course, the Word was with God and the Word is God. That's what he's saying here. That we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life. You know, when we talk about eternal life and we talk about the word of God and we talk about the life of God and we had to always be mindful, this is my reality. This is truly the truth of my life. It's not so much what I do on a daily basis because my life on earth, the only significance to my life on earth is this divine life that's within me. And I'll give an account to my father for the way I have demonstrated, what did he say, this eternal life to the world. He says they bore witness. Well, we too are bearing witness. We have actually become witness of this eternal life. We are the living epistle of Christ that people are reading. Declaring the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things we write to you that your joy may be full and the importance here is that which we behold that which we handle will demonstrate to the world we we'll see it with sinners with anyone whatever you're handling you're demonstrating, you're talking about it, you're sharing with someone else, you're living it out. Whatever you partake of, 
Peter says we're not partakers of divine nature. Whatever you partake of, you will demonstrate. So all the more for us to be mindful that we do have a fellowship with the word of God. So we can now demonstrate this fellowship to the world. Um, and um, actually, we're still at the end. Let's go to Second Peter here. Yeah. Verse 16. Hmm. So, sorry, uh, uh, chapter 1, chapter 1. 2 Peter 1, 16. For we did not follow. Oh, I love this. Cunningly. <laughs> we didn't follow cunningly devised fables. We didn't follow myths. We didn't follow lies. We didn't follow pretenses. We did not follow that. We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were what eyewitnesses of his majesty. Isn't that what John just said to us as well? We're what eyewitnesses of his majesty, of his glory and excellence. And when we behold the word of God, we too are eyewitnesses of his majesty. He, my, my, my. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. And this is the voice that came to Jesus regarding the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, we too hear his voice speak to us. And we do behold the glory of the firstborn son in that mind renewal from glory to glory, that mind alive, that mountain of transfiguration of a renewed mind, the mind made alive by the word of God. We do hear his voice speak to us. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Every time and all the time and only if you renew your mind will you hear the Father's word regarding his Son. Because when we give honor to the Son, we're giving honor to the Father. And when we honor the word of God, we will hear the honor of the Father to the word of God. And so today, honor his word. Renew your mind. Make your mind alive today through these precious divine promises of excellence and glory. So you can hear his voice regarding his word, regarding his son. This is my beloved son. Who was the son? The word made flesh was the son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard his voice. We heard his voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so, so because of it, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, meaning we have the word of God spoken through the prophets confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light. See, we'll do well to heed this, this word of God. As a light that shines, this word is a light that shines. 
in a dark place. Let the word of God illuminate every dark crevice of your heart, of your mind, and bring forth light, bring forth light divine. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, until you receive the revelation of the light of God, until you receive revelation of the word of God, until you receive a revelation of life alone, only life. What is your portion today? What is your portion in life? It is life. Your portion in life is to be alive, <laughs> to be a living vessel, a life-giving spirit. What's your mission? Proclaim life. What is your mission? Be a light. Sit up on the hill. What is your assignment? Speak life. Be a life giver. And it's through a renewed mind, through the light of the word dawning in your, in your heart, rising in our heart, called revelation knowledge. Knowing this first, this is it. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. I can't handle on my own terms the word of God. Oh, God is full of grace. I can do whatever I want to do. He forgives me. I can't approach the word on my terms. What does... Jesus said in John, in John 14, we looked about two, three weeks ago. If you love me, keep my commandment. If you love me, keep my commandment. If you love me, keep my commandment. I can't handle the word of God on my terms. I can live any old sloppy way, just like the world. And be pleasing to my father. What pleases my father is faith that is birth out of the word of God. What pleases my Father is me living a life in Christ, honoring the Son, honoring the Word, and separating myself from the world. Because the cross has separated me forever. The world is not my portion. Christ is my portion. And now I'm releasing Christ into the world by just following His lead continuing to follow him. And so here, uh, going back, the no prop, verse 20, no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of God. Now people say, oh, we, you can't trust the, the Bible. You can't trust the Bible. They all wrote different things. Oh, one wrote this and I wrote that. You can't trust. What an error of a thought that is. The oneness of the word of God is the very body of Christ. He put on flesh. Was Jesus confused? Was the word of God dismantled? Was Jesus' arm over there and his head over there? He was a full body. Just the toe didn't quite look like his eyebrow. Doesn't mean it was not part of the body. Just because you don't fully understand them doesn't mean it's not breathed by the Holy Spirit. Put your mind down. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bring it down. That pharmaceutical spirit, that analytical mind, bring it down and just believe as a child the word of God. This word is truth. And what Peter writes through the Holy Ghost, that it did not come, was not inspired, didn't come by the will of man. Man did not will it. 
How can you will prophetic utterance? You can't. It is inspired of the Holy Ghost. It is the very flow of the living God. What does Peter write? But holy men of God, handpicked by God, that separate themselves to God. They live their consecrated life, holy men of God. They set their lives apart to be used by God. We think of Paul. We think of John. We think of Peter. Peter, Peter, what a transformation he underwent. If Peter could make it, we could make it. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that is how we handle the Word of God. That is how our mind becomes alive. It's through the Holy Ghost that is communicating the very mind of Christ to us. And I'll, I'll finish here, but we too have a portion, as they did, to handle the Word of God. But ours is in the Spirit. Ours is a living forever, incorruptible, but humanity way, a partaker of divine nature. And so today we have a mind alive, which is the very mind of Christ. Glory be to God. Praise God, I'm done. Woo, done. Thank you, Jesus.